Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Welcome to Regularly Scheduled Programming, where we watch stuff and talk about it. I'm Joe. And I'm Ashley. And uh, do we have any news this week, Joe? Uh, yeah, a little bit of news, but I also uh, I made a bit of a faux pas in our sign-off last time. Oops. Uh, I said something about, you know, when we see you on your regularly scheduled podcast instead of regularly, scheduling, instead of regularly scheduled programming. <laughs> it's all good. So that's on me. No one caught uh, it. If anyone even listened. I mean, according to ACAST, people are listening, but... Yeah. Uh, that could be ACAST lying to us, so we keep paying the subscription. Mm. Dead air. Uh, right. Okay, news. <laughs> not a whole lot of news. No. At uh, least not that we saw, admittedly. Yeah. My, my Twitter feed is not as news heavy lately because I was kind of off Twitter or not on Twitter as much as normal, so I need to, like, recalibrate my feed. Yeah. Uh, we did get an announcement that uh, the Shang-Chi director, Destin Daniel Cretton, mm-hmm. I hope I'm saying that right. If I'm not, I apologize, um, was announced that he will be directing Avengers the Kang Dynasty. Awesome. Which, you know, like, when you... So we obviously love Shang-Chi. Mm-hmm. Like, we love the story, and it is shot beautifully, by yeah. our opinions. So it's like, you know, it's a strong foot forward for the movie mm-hmm. but you know it's gonna a lot depends on the writing and the story that they're telling and stuff like that but like it's a it's a strong start to announce a director from a movie that we both really like so yeah that was kind of why i sent it to you because i think you know obviously like a director is a big part of the movie um i mean look at you know sam raimi and dr strange like he has a very clear vision mm-hmm. and we both like shang chi and whether that's a combination of writing, directing, acting, whatever. It's good that I just always get excited when they announce a director that's doing a project with Marvel that I already know and I already like. So that makes me even more excited for the movie coming up. Yeah. Uh, so that's it as far as like news that <laughs> yeah, crossed our paths. We didn't, I mean. It could be post. Uh, post Comic-Con Post Comic-Con lull. lull, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was something that you sent me that you wanted to talk about, and I think it, I think it is relevant to something that we both love a lot, mm-hmm. which is Star Wars. Yes. Uh, but do you want to bring it up, or did you want me to? <laughs> I already forgot what it was. <laughs> okay, so you sent me an article about uh, patching movies and TV shows, basically oh, yes. going back and making edits yes. or changes. Yes, because the Duffer Brothers, that Duff Brothers, not Duffer. Um, they went back to some episodes of Stranger Things. I believe it was from season two. 
Um, I believe it was season one where they mentioned that it was like Will's birthday on a certain day. And then there was a plot hole that fans pointed out in season two that I could get the seasons wrong. Either way, there was a plot hole with Will's birthday where one season it was his birthday and the next season on that day it was not his birthday. And you know it's that day because they talk about it being that day. My question is. Yes. Is it specifically not his birthday or is it just that his birthday is not brought up? It's birthday is not brought up. Okay. Um, and people are like, they would bring it up because it's his birthday or whatever. Either way, this is the, the fans, ha- people have noticed from their DVDs that the Netflix showing that that plot hole is missing. It's fixed. Now, they don't uh-huh. mention that day. It's just like, it's not that it's not his birthday. It's just that they don't, they don't show the, the scene date. where it's the day, the yeah. following, whatever the following season it is. So that got me thinking about, you know, is it good that direct, like, should they be able to do that? Should, uh, do we care? Well, is a lot it changing of... the integrity of the ultimate? Like, is it ultimately changing the integrity of the story? I think there's a lot of elements and qualifiers. Yeah. In my opinion. So let's take the big one for us. Star Wars. Yeah. George Lucas has gone back and made edits to those movies more times than people are probably aware. Right, even just little things here and, and there. You know, even like the the VHS re- like from the original theatrical to the VHS release, there were changes that were made. Mm-hmm. At least I've heard. I've never seen what would I never saw it in the theater, so I couldn't say that confidently. But I've heard that there are little changes between the, the- actual theatrical release and what made it to VHS when it was first released. Mm-hmm. My opinion on that is, that's his art. That's his thing. He can go in and change it as much as he wants. Doesn't matter. I know a lot of people are like, yeah, I feel that way too, but I want the original also. It's like, but he doesn't. And it's his. But how do we feel when like it, so like, for example, let's just go with the Han shot first. Mm -hmm. Change. Mm -hmm. It, It could potentially, and you and I have talked about this before privately. I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast specifically, but how it, it, it does kind of inform Han's character and his growth over time. The fact that he shot Greedo first. Yeah. And the fact that he doesn't shoot first. It's like a subtle it's kind of one of those things that it's like you don't know it informs his character but it is a a thing that is part of who he is. Mm -hmm. So for me that change so if we go with the you know Han shooting first lends itself to the type of character that Han is at the beginning of A New Hope. Mm -hmm. And we get to see a character change and grow over time when we see him in Return of the Jedi. Mm -hmm. That's great. That's us interpreting what we see, what we hear in the story. Mm -hmm. Uh, In my opinion, there's no right, wrong uh, interpretation of that. What I will say is, though, it's George Lucas's story. If he does... One of two things is true, in my opinion, at least from like my perspective either that is not the kind of character growth or character story that george lucas wanted to tell with han Mm -hmm. or but he sorry go ahead no go ahead but he did tell that story initially and then he was like oh you know what that's not him after all i'm gonna go back and fix that is that what like so from what i've heard and this could be George Lucas just covering his own ass for changes that he wanted to make, but he has said that they had a lot of problems shooting that scene Mm. with the timing of it. And the best they got is what we see with Han shooting first. Now, again, could be George Lucas covering his own ass. Now, Um, what about, 
I'm sorry. I keep interrupting It's you. okay. But, like, at the end of the day, George Lucas is going to go back mm-hmm. and make sure that the story he wants to tell is what we're presented with. We can like or dislike those as much as we want. But at the end of the day, they are his. Now, there is something to be said that once you release it into the world, it belongs to everyone. And that's true. But you know what? The VHSs, the VHS releases, they're still there. The remastered VHS releases are still there. The original DVDs of the prequel trilogy and the original trilogy are still there. Original trilogy DVDs, also the ones we have, do have original unremastered theatrical uh, presentations of... The original trilogy. Yeah. Um, and those, in my opinion, I don't want a, a high-def remaster of the original trilogy. If I want to watch it in its original shape and form, I want the grittiness, the film pops, the the yeah. film noise, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then it's changed again on Blu-rays and, you know, other Blu-rays and maybe even 4Ks. And do you... It's... Yeah. How do you feel about, like, so... What about changes like the Ewoks blinking, for example? Like little things like so that. So inconsequential. I don't think it matters. So what about like in this specific instance when they go back and fix a plot hole? Like do you do you like because to me okay. that's I guess to me I'm just like. I don't look at it as a plot hole. Yeah, I don't. It's I, a continuity here, error. Let's, let's be honest. I don't either. I just thought it was interesting and something to talk about as far as I'm concerned. As lo- to me, it comes down to, like, is this changing the ultimate integrity of the original story? And even then, I agree with you. They can do with it whatever well, whatever was... they may. Because my thing is, am I... Okay, be honest. Am I going to go back and watch all of Stranger Things? I, I don't know. Maybe one day, if Michael seems like he might be into it or whatever. And that tiny of a plot hole, supposed plot hole, like you said, it's more of a continuity error, isn't changing ultimately what i love about the story (laughs) yeah and that brings me to another point like i think a lot of whether or not these um changes are i don't want to say acceptable as as if we have the right to um reject them but like is it the creators of the show the storytellers are they saying oh we messed up let's go back and fix this thing Mm -hmm. or is it netflix saying you need need to to go in and fix this because people are talking about it yeah. Yeah. Um, I uh, think if it's the production company or the distributor, or, you know, whatever role it is that like Netflix plays in it or something like that. Um, now, granted, you know, Netflix is financing it. Yep. So should they have how much of us? This is a whole thing. Like how much I would love to live in a world where Paramount would finance somebody's story to make a movie and be like, no, we're paying you to tell your story. Tell your story. We're hands off. Yeah, don't we're not going to be up in your business looking mm-hmm. at the dailies. But that's just not the way. But that's not the way the it industry is. works. They're going to suggest things and make changes based on what they think is going to make them the most money. Mm-hmm. But that that's, you know, that's a whole other thing. Me personally, uh, as long as it doesn't change what is being the story that's being told, who cares? I was going to say it's like to me it's kind of like, I mean, we have director's cuts and people get excited about it. Look at the Schneider cut. Yeah. To me, that's not, that's not even a director's cut. That's like, that's, that's a, the movie he wanted to. Right. And which, that's, and, and then again, that, that is, so there are people that are complaining about, you know, your Han Solo shot mm-hmm. first, George Lucas mess. They say messing up the movies, whatever. We don't feel that way, but regardless, this fix and stranger things, but then you have people praising 
director's cuts and directors getting their ultimate vision. It's Isn't it the same thing? A lot of times, yeah. So I think that's, like I said, that's just kind of something I wanted to put put out there in the universe, like put in people's minds, like, and I love... you know, maybe this is, it's the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. So if we're praising the process for some, maybe we should just leave the others alone. Yeah, and I love the fact that, like, the Marvel movies don't have director's cuts. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look at, like, Blade Runner. Blade Runner's had, like, how many <laughs> ultimate director's cut releases. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's just... To me, it doesn't matter. Now, if it was like, oh, we went back and changed Endgame so that Tony isn't the one that pulled the stones off of the gauntlet, you know, Thor did it. I'm like, that's a big change. Yeah. Does that make it worse? Who knows? We'd have to see what ultimately came of it, you know, how it was presented and stuff like that. But it's like, that's a change. Yeah. Making Ewoks blink or removing <laughs> a scene where you see a date on a calendar or however it's referenced in yeah, Stranger I, Things. Yeah, I don't even know. So who, the, who cares? It's obviously not something that I caught because I didn't know. And honestly, the only reason the Ewoks blinking bothers me is because it it's weird. But even then, okay, I still watch the movies yeah. every year. So, uh, so that's it that's as far that. as news. Yeah, news. Uh, do you want to talk about... So why don't you do, you start the um, the Thor Love and Thunder. Okay, well, you have the names, the usernames, so. Okay, so uh, I sent you a TikTok. Yes. Of a TikTok. <laughs> sent you a TikTok <laughs> from at Confused Glenn. Uh-huh. Who is responding to a comment mm-hmm. from what we think is Lawrence J Zero mm-hmm. regarding. Was it J or Joy? Joy Zero, sorry, Lawrence okay. Joy Zero. It's my handwriting. Uh, regarding a previous TikTok that Confused Glenn had uh, made, where he's basically saying, you know, I have my own criticisms and things like that about Thor: Love and Thunder, but I'm not going to make a video about it because I want to spread positivity. Which, let's be honest, <laughs> he, that is making a video about it. <laughs> yeah, he's he's saying that there's issues. He's just like, I'm not going to go into it. It's like, yeah, you kind of did. Though. You're not taking as high a road as you think you are there. Yeah. Um, but so the, the comment was that what we see on screen mm-hmm. is the perspective, or I guess not so much perspective, but it's the way Korg is retelling the story, the story of what happened. Right. Which, okay. To be honest, I knew that kind of because the movie starts and ends with Korg telling the story. But I guess in the midst of the movie, I had forgotten that that's the way it started. If Mm -hmm. that, do you understand what I'm saying? So while I do think, I wish I had, we had written down the exact, but that is basically the comment. I understand that to a point, I guess. I don't. And I, like people were saying, so like there are certain things that are exaggerated, yeah. Or like um, what um, Stormbreaker's jealousy over exaggerated, mm-hmm. and all this kinds of stuff. But okay, so for, <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll chime in for me. Yeah, I think that is a, and I I would have to rewatch the movie or at least the beginning and end to find to remember exactly how much at the beginning Korg is narrating, how much at the end he's narrating, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. I think it's an immensely or it's an extremely cool perspective to tell this story. Mm -hmm. 
But at the end of the day, in my opinion, the things that are hangups about the movie for me don't change because they made a stylistic choice. Right. And I I did read a funny comment because you know me, I always go into the TikTok comments. Someone was saying that like this was because Taika Watiti is the one that voices Quirk. Mm-hmm. And some people were saying that this is his way of putting himself into the MCU by like saying that, oh yeah, it's from Korg's perspective or whatever. I mean, he's in this the is, MCU regardless. This is people I know. This is also people that don't like Taika's because I went probably. I went to this person's and th- these are things I've heard from people's people's complaints on Twitter as well as things I've seen on TikTok, which is complaining about Taika Watiti's style, mm-hmm. um, etc. And I I did say like the way the movie is written is very much in his own. In the way he speaks, yeah, his language, etc. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. That goes back to what we were talking about before about stylistic choices, etc. But I did think it was an interesting perspective, and I'm with you. It would be nice to go back and really watch the movie because, like I said, I knew, like in my mind, that like the movie starts and ends with Korg mm-hmm. t- talking uh, see, about it. I don't it. even remember the yeah, it, ending of him being the one talking about it. And stuff, yeah, he was. So. Um, but yeah. anyways, it um, another interesting thing to think about, if you haven't seen Thor Love and Thunder yet, maybe like go in with that perspective yeah. and let us know what you think. Um, and then whenever we happen to rewatch it, which will probably be when it comes back, comes on Disney Plus, mm-hmm. um, we'll we'll also think about it in that in those terms. OK, so uh, the other the last thing that I want to talk about that, I guess, is news. It's not really news. It's just before we talk about things that we watch, I want to talk a little bit more about the D&D Honor Among Thieves movie trailer and movie in general, because we kind of had to I mean, we spent more time on it than some other things. But there are some uh, things that I wanted to bring up just because I'm really excited for the movie. It's something I'm very much into. It's definitely something that every single time we get a piece of news for it, we are going to be talking about for sure. Yeah. So for starters, you know, I I came down a little harsh on <laughs> uh, people who are saying that there's issues with the movie based on the rules that are in the D&D book. And to be completely honest, I still 100% agree with what I said last time. Yeah. It's. I don't understand somebody who would look at a movie and say, well, that's not how it is written in a rule book that's there for you to interpret and play your games based on how you want and say that it's a flaw. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, you know, the, the first time I watched the trailer, um, you know, I had to take a second again, it was realigning expectations. And there's a lot of things that I have to do that with when I'm watching every single trailer for something that's coming out. I'm keeping up with all the news and announcements that are coming out for it. And I start building this thing in my head of what I think, what I'm thinking we're going to get. And that is always going to be colored to my interests. Mm-hmm. Is this D and D movie, the movie that if, if they had come to me and said, Joe, you, you get to decide what this movie <laughs> is. Is that the movie I would make? No. Right. Uh, so that's why, you know, like I said, I've you know, had to watch the trailer a couple of times, realign my expectations and stuff like that. You know, I there's a lot of things in it that I wouldn't pick for um, a D&D movie if I was in creative control. Mm-hmm. You know, for starters, I wouldn't set it in the Forgotten Realms, but that's just my personal taste. I like Eberron. Yeah. Um, but the Forgotten Realms is one of, number one, it is their core setting for it's, D&D right now. It's the one everybody knows. And it's going to have a lot of name recognition. Yeah. Um. Also, you know, there's, there's a lot of, look, so a lot of people 
are basing how good the movie is going to be based on how accurate it represents like a D&D campaign, like an at your table D&D campaign. If that's our barometer for this, I just rewatched the uh, like 2002, 2003 D&D movie. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if our barometer is how accurately does it represent um, uh, uh, in-person table game, then that movie is 100% flawless <laughs> because it's got, it's got it all. It's got a pretty shoddy storyline Bad acting, with the exception of Jeremy Irons, because he crushes everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, your your Mary Sue or Marty Stew character that gets all the focus, and everybody else kind of doesn't really do much. Like I, I realized rewatching it, the dwarf number one, the dwarf in that movie stands maybe four inches shorter than the average <laughs> of the rest of the cast. Number two, literally does nothing in the climax of the film. Well, my question about the people that are saying, which I am interjecting in what your your point, sorry about that, but it's fine. My question about like the people that are complaining that it doesn't accurately reflect the table, the rules, the rules or the or the game or a typical table. It's typically campaign. it's typically based on rules as written, is right? What the... But what I what I'm saying is, are these people complaining because it's not like they're whatever night games? Because no, every what, game is different. What it is is it's. Like I said, rules as written. So, for example, I brought it up last time. I've seen a number of people complaining about the fact that the druid wild shapes into an owlbear. Right. I know. I've seen that The owlbear is classified in the rules as a monstrosity, and druids can turn into things classified as beasts. Mm. So people are saying it's not good because it doesn't adhere to the rules as written in the book. Okay. And that was, you know, I just don't get it. Like, look, if you watch this trailer and you say, I don't like that aspect, I'm going to not uh, follow this and not watch it. That's fine. I guarantee you nobody's going to miss your comment on their Twitter thread about you disliking something because it's. Well, here, here's the thing. I realized that this podcast is us putting our opinions into the world. So mm-hmm. maybe this is a bad take on my on my part or a hypocritical take on my part. But then again, if you and I decide we don't like a thing, we don't follow that thing. We don't talk about it. We don't like you and I could probably do a few minutes about why we stopped watching Game of Thrones. You mean Halo or? No. no, Remember when we first started watching Game of Thrones? No, that's a really easy one for me. Well, no, what I'm saying is. Yeah. But we're not going to dedicate a whole podcast to it. We're not going to. We don't. Go on people's Instagram fan pages and post about it. We don't call someone an effing idiot. Yeah, my... or, like we don't. If we don't like a thing, we don't follow or talk about the thing unless we are yeah. asked. So, so my issue, so... my issue with it is, you know, yeah, we're doing a podcast where we're expressing our opinions about things. Mm-hmm. My issue is, is when somebody takes their opinion, I don't like this thing for this reason. And somebody comes back and was like, oh, well, that doesn't bother me. And then that original person goes, well, you're wrong because right. it's bad because of this. It's like, no, that's your opinion. That It's that uh, Big Lebowski meme. Well, that's like just your opinion, man. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's completely fine to have and share your opinion. It is, in my opinion, not fine to tell somebody that they are wrong because their opinion is different than yours. Or you think that you are 
somehow superior because you identify identify a plot hole or a continuity error and therefore just <laughs> claim that a thing is wrong bad because it's it exists well again it's it's kind of like i believe that there has been a disconnect somewhere um i don't know if it's internet culture i don't know if it's human culture but there seems to be a disconnect between what people think are opinions and what people know as facts and i believe i read it somewhere where it's like a Facts don't care about your opinions. Mm -hmm. And facts are always true. Um, I realize that in the day and age of fake news and all that kind of stuff, people have seemed to forget about that. But the fact remains that facts are facts. Yeah. But my opinion about a movie is my opinion. And just because I don't like something or I like something doesn't make me wrong. And maybe I've just had to deal with this more because I'm a woman that grew up liking, you know, I mean, let's just be honest, typically male fandoms um especially like growing up in the early 90s like we did um if you were a girl and you liked boy shows like mm -hmm. ninja turtles yeah x-men batman um you were weird different yeah. like so for me i mean i've had a whole lifetime of training for this bullshit you know and so I very much can let it roll off my back a little bit more, I think. Not more than you, but just more than some people. Like, oh, you want to tell me I'm wrong? Well, you're a fucking idiot. Yeah. I'm not wrong for my opinion. And like that, that goes to that. Like people just need to realize also that they don't always have to say a thing about a thing. You can, yeah. you can, like we're doing, we're putting our opinions on things out into the world and it's our opinions. Mm -hmm. But if you try to come at me... You can, you can tell us that you don't agree. Yeah, but, but you, don't tell me that I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, to, to steer away from the negative stuff. Yeah. Uh, the, the one thing I will say, and I guess kind of closing this uh, thing about the D&D movie, which I will also add, if anybody is interested to hear what I would do with a D&D <laughs> property in some f visual media form, let us know. I can do an episode on it. Maybe I can get my buddy... Uh, who was my very first dungeon master to come on. We went on a uh, pretty much a day long uh, text thread <laughs> talking about what we would do uh, for a series or movie. But yeah. anyway, my point is this, let's say that you watch that trailer and you're like, eh, I don't know. Yeah. I guarantee you if it makes zero money, there will be no more. Yeah. At least not for years and years and years. Look at um look at the Transformers movie franchise. Yeah. That has a very divided fan base. Yep. Um but they because they kept making money, they kept making them. Now, is every single one a winner? No. <laughs> I still can enjoy all of them. But at the end of the day because they made money, we ended up getting Bumblebee. Oh, and thank Bumblebee, God for Bumblebee and Bumblebee is wonderful. I mean, I still very much enjoy the first live action. Yeah, but like you know, yes. Here's if it makes money, they will keep trying. Mm -hmm. Now you know, Michael Bay went five movies with just kind of rehashing a very familiar formula, but that's Michael Bay. That's what he does. He knows his wheelhouse, and I don't fault the guy yeah. for knowing it. Oh, that reminds me, I have something to say about Michael Bay when I talk about something later. So I'm gonna okay. write that down. But <laughs> If it makes zero money, maybe not guaranteed, but it's less likely that they will try again. Yeah. Because if it makes money, but they see criticisms, in my opinion, they might, you know, be like, you know what? They're right. Maybe we should throw in an orc into the uh, party or, you know, something 
that is more in line with what the fans say they want. They're like, look, we got enough money to do another one. Let's take these criticisms now and apply them to this sequel or whatever it is that expands this universe. Yep. Um, and I'm not, if you're that, you know, turned off by the trailer, you know, don't see it. No, you know, you don't need to do that to yourself. You don't want to go pay to sit through a movie you don't want to see. But if you're just kind of like meh about it, give but it a maybe shot. Maybe they do. So then they can go on the internet and bitch about well, it. Well, I was trying to not <laughs> go down the negative side. But anyway, yeah. that's my little thing. Like I said, if anybody wants to hear my... Uh, I mean, you could, the thing is, you could always put it out in the universe. And maybe people didn't, want, didn't know they wanted to hear it. Because I, you know, really enjoyed... Um, not that you exactly shared with me everything, but like the little tidbits here and there and seeing how happy you were getting, getting like texting yeah. and whatever. So um, if I did it with or without my friend, I don't want to name drop him just because I don't know if he wants his name going out there, but yeah. um, with or without our friend. Yeah. Would you want to be involved? I don't have to be involved. Well, it might be interesting because is, there if- might be people that don't know that some of the terminology or some of the specifics that we're yeah. Just glossing over. Yeah. I mean, maybe it would be good to have a not as knowledgeable a, person a, in the a room. A normie's opinion. A nor- yeah, a normie's <laughs> opinion. But the thing is, like, I do have a slight knowledge in being yeah. around. I mean, gosh, I used to go to your games mm-hmm. with you just to hang out. Yeah. You know, so anyway, um, why don't we take a break? Okay. Um, And then we can get into what we watched this week. Yep. Okay. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And we're back. Yay. <laughs> All right, let's talk about what we watched this week. And um, I think I'll go first because yeah. I'm pretty much the one that watched things. I didn't watch anything like new. No, except uh, the Dungeons and Dragons movie. Yeah. So... To start it off, um, I finished off Virgin River season four, which I don't know if I mentioned on the podcast before that I watched that. And up until this season, I wasn't even really sure that I liked it. It's just that um, I talk about it with one of my cousins and um, it's honestly, it's kind of like a lifetime show. It has that kind of vibe and I'm not, I don't watch Lifetime regularly. Well, that's not true because I watched Married at First Sight on Lifetime. Whoa. Anyways, um, it's it's a typical Lifetime series movie, but it's on Netflix. I will say, though, season four, I think I like it now. <laughs> now <laughs> oh, you're actually in? Now I'm actually in. Um, this season, we find out that uh, the main character, who's played by the actress that plays Sophie on This Is Us, um, is pregnant 
but it could be her dead ex-husband's baby because she had an embryo transfer or it could be the current guy she's dating because they also slept together shortly after her embryo transfer which as as you all know i was a surrogate and we both know that like you don't have sex after an embryo transfer that's just asking for trouble (laughs) i mean unless you're having sex with the person whose embryo you transferred even then you spend a lot of money doing ivf why not just hold off Mm -hmm. anyway so spoiler alert at the end of the season you do find out that it is in fact the guy she's dating's baby it is not her dead ex-husband's baby which great for the story also find out at the end of the season is that that so the current partner was with a woman who was who is currently pregnant with twins so he was going to have twins and then this other baby to help raise and then Right at the end of season four, you find out that the twins are not biologically his. And he had been thinking they were the whole time. You have no idea if um, it is the guy that she's currently with. Because she's kind of like, even though she's pregnant with his baby, she's kind of like a side character. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was just that whole thing is just so... It is very typical of like your lifetime drama-esque type situation but i just thought it was so fun and then um there is a character i should have written all these people's names down but um there's a character who last season had a traumatic brain injury and she had forgot that her breast her best friend passed away from cancer and so they spent like an episode kind of like reminding her of that and like her processing her grief of losing her best friend learning to live with this traumatic brain injury that's been really interesting uh anyways i i don't want to go too much into like all of the plots of the show because i swear there's like 15 different plots going on at the same time suffice it to say i watch it it's good and i think because you don't watch it um i i watched it i mean it's it's a binger for sure like i uh-huh. think i watched it in like three days either way definitely in for season five which my understanding is they've already filmed or are currently filming so it's an interesting, um, like, thing that happens with being able to have so much, like, on demand. Yeah. When you hear about a show and you're like, okay, I'll give it a shot. And you're watching, especially if it has a number of seasons or something like that. You do, sometimes, I know it happens to me. I think it happened to me with something recently. I just don't remember what it was. Mm-hmm. Where you're like, okay, I'll give it a shot. And you're like, okay, it's fine, season one. I'll give season two a shot. And you're like, mm-hmm. okay, it's still kind of fine. But you end up in this weird thing where at some point you realize, like, why am I watching this? Am I watching it because, I mean, like, I'm three, four seasons in. Is that still <laughs> giving it a chance? Yeah. Or, because I don't know if I like it yet. It's a weird, like, paradox. And then, you, like, a lot of times you just keep watching it even though you don't really, you aren't that big into it. Well, that's what happened with Virgin River. I wasn't going to watch it initially. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that the actress that played Sophie is on it. And I really like her. Um, which, I remember her name is Alexandra Breckenridge. I don't remember her character's name on the show. Um, and my cousin messaged me and was like, hey, do you watch the show? And I was like, no, but I was looking for something new to watch. So I was mm-hmm. like, I'll give it a go. And then, like I said, it's been like the last three seasons and I would finish the season and I would just be like, I don't really know how to feel about this show. I don't know if I have any definite opinions. I'm just watching it to watch it. It's definitely the it to me. It is very much and I'm not trying to insult people that love lifetime shows because your mom it's her bread and butter and it is very much the type of show especially i will be 
gender stereotypical and say it is a very, it's a show that typically a woman mm-hmm. would gravi- gravitate towards. It is very much a sit on your couch with a blanket and a cup of tea and watch <laughs> it. There's there's not a lot of drama. I mean, it, there's some drama, but it's not like I'm having a heart attack. I can't watch this in the dark drama, yeah. you know? Um, and so I'm honestly like, I'm kind of glad I liked it. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of glad I, I have a definite opinion now. Whereas before I was like, meh. I don't know how I feel. Like I said, I was doing something like that with a show. I feel like it was relatively recent. I just do not remember what it was. I don't remember what you said it was either. <laughs> I don't know. I must not have. I must really not have liked it very much at all. Yeah. <laughs> um. So another show that I watched. Um. I watched The Bachelorette every week. Um. I'm sure I told you there are two Bachelorettes on so. this season, and they finally. I think this was week three. They finally made the men decide which woman they're going after instead of having it be this absolute clusterfuck of dating. Uh, so I'm kind of excited about that and to see where it goes so yeah, going just, forward. Just so you know, like, I'm sure you probably did tell me about it and I listened. But <laughs> when when something needs to leave to make room for my own pointless stuff. Yeah, my pointless stuff Information goes first. about, like, The Bachelor, The Bachelorette. <laughs> uh married at first sight to be honest uh, like i wish all your like we have 93 children watch our lives shows <laughs> uh those are yeah those are first uh those are I women wish, and children on the titanic i wish i didn't care so much and like even with the bachelorette now i listen to plug their podcast they don't need my plug they're fairly popular but this podcast game of roses mm-hmm. um which basically breaks down the show being a game um, which it is, and basically how the show continues to not uh, continues to operate on this premise that everybody is there for love, which I'm sure some of them are, but some of them are on there to become insta famous or TikTok mm-hmm. famous or whatever. And there's not, again, there's nothing wrong with that. This is the society that we live in, mm-hmm. you know. But for the show to be as ridiculous as to not act like that's one of the reasons to go on the show, and like maybe. Being famous is one and finding love is two. That's fine. I think that's why. Or how about just getting paid for being on the show? Getting paid for being on the show. Another show I watched, which I didn't, but it falls on. I didn't write it down, but it falls in the same premise is like F Boy Island. They know exactly what kind of show it is. People are there for. Though I will say there is kind of like this thing for a while where like, oh, someone's just here for clout. And it's like, of course you are. You know, and the thing I like about most about that show is that Nikki Glaser hosts hosts it, and she actually is kind of involved in the show, or at least they like make jokey segments with her uh, doing therapy with the F boys. Mm-hmm. Um, which, speaking of F boy Island, I thought this week was the finale, and I stayed up late <laughs> watching because I didn't want spoilers, and uh, it was not the last two episodes. It was the 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 last two episodes are next week so but i'm i am really thoroughly enjoying that show um i have heard um from another podcaster slash blogger i listened to called reality steve he got like early access to the shows and he said the finale is bonkers crazy even more so than last season and the only thing i can figure that would be more bonkers crazy is if one of the nice guys chooses to keep all the money because obviously, so there are F boys and nice guys, and like the F boys, like it's it's 
promoted like, oh, the F-boys will keep all the money. But to me, it would be even more bonkers if someone chose a nice guy and he chose to keep all the money. But anyways, so that's my diatribe about reality TV. <laughs> oh, no, it's not because I also watch Drag Race. <laughs> Maybe we should just make you your own uh, reality <laughs> TV segment. Maybe. Regularly scheduled reality. Yeah, but I also watched, I finished uh, Drag Race, All Stars, All Winners. And um, Raja won the crown of she done already, no, she already done had hers. <laughs> you can tell how, like, I don't. <laughs> I just don't speak like that. <laughs> I feel like I should go get a snack while you're going through all your reality do, stuff. <laughs> do and then um, Jinx Monsoon won the ultimate, the 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 queen of all queens, and I'm so excited because Jinx was my favorite all season long. And on that note, because some of these queens are from seasons that I've never watched of uh, RuPaul, uh, because we have Paramount Plus, um, I've been going back and rewatching. RuPaul's Drag Race so I finished season one which that was crazy to watch because it has this like weird filter on it um I'm not exactly sure what was going on and then now I'm on season two and I'm almost at the end of season two and the really cool thing is to like see how much the show has progressed both in terms of like the way it's shot the segments the language um and just everything uh, the language has definitely grown to be a bit more inclusive to include like non-binary people and stuff like that. Um, there's some segments that she, they use terms that are no longer in use. Um, and so they don't do that anymore. And it's just kind of interesting, like I said, seeing the progression and the growth of a show that, I mean, it kind of was already progressive when it started to begin with. And it's grown to be even more mm-hmm. Uh, progressive and accepting so anyways i really love that show so um one thing i wanted to talk with you about that i watched this week um with me you me or you the uh listening audience well you and and if if other people have watched it and they if if anybody actually wants to write in i i love it but um so i watch on hulu they have a victoria's secret documentary called victoria's secret angels and demons and so um i was really interested in this uh because I used to work at Victoria's Secret. I didn't work there for very long, to be honest. But um, it was part of my work history. And I find I love documentaries about things that I love. And it was um, about the business and the brand. And it was also about the creator of the brand, Lex Wexner, and his connection with Jeffrey Epstein. Mm-hmm. And also kind of about like the behind the scenes stuff with sexual harassment the thing about with michael bay is there was a segment about how he shot a super bowl commercial uh with the victoria victoria's secret angels it was definitely a very interesting documentary to hear about the brand because like we very much grew up in the age of like mall culture um like you go to the mall that was like a thing you did like for fun maybe not for you but like for me yeah um went to the mall for fun um lex wexner also created um like the limited um i believe bath and body works is owned by them um and basically kind of created he is kind of the one that really like created the must buy must have um including like how they set up different displays all the time so it's like every time you come into the mall um, the store looks different. Mm-hmm. 
like moving things around even even just something as simple as kind of established the philosophy well i know so like i know at victoria's secret for example um when we were doing like panty resets for example um you'd have like this panty on top today and then tomorrow you'd kind of like rotate um number one it keeps the dust off the panties if people aren't touching like manhandling them um and number two it also looks different like oh is that new because you didn't see it before because mm-hmm. it was in the back you yeah. know um just little little things like that um and how it basically created kind of the culture we have now of like fast fashion um and which how... you tried to explain to me and i still don't think yeah I so understand. it has two di- so it has two different meanings i was gonna say we don't have to try to uh, no, define it here. we don't have to try to define it but basically he he definitely helped create the mindset of new Mm-hmm. Um, not that there aren't people that have new all the time. Like, Maybe not new, but current. But current, yeah. And like, oh gosh, the big one that I, that really reminded me of my job at Victoria's Secret was called the fitting room. And basically, it it's a way to like trap people into buying more. Like you, for example, at Victoria's Secret, I know they did this at the Limited with different products. Like the Limited, like you would offer someone like, oh, would you like to try on a pair of our jeans today? Like you'd offer something specific so at Victoria's Secret the specific thing is your bra fittings you always offer a bra fitting like hey when's the last time you were fit for a bra oh it's been more than a year why don't we go ahead and fit you again oh you oh you changed size let's get you into our dressing room and I'll give you some bras well first of all people sometimes will just buy because they feel like they yeah they've already taken up your time essentially um and then also while they're in there, you can offer them the credit card. You can offer, hey, you know what would look really good with that bra? Another pair of panties, whatever. The other thing was the damn free panty card. <laughs> and because I worked at Victoria's Secret, I know that like when people would bring in that card, I hardly ever saw someone walk in with the card and only walk out with their free panty. Whether even if they just bought a lotion or whatever, maybe they didn't buy a new $50 bra, but they would buy... Something else. Something. Yeah. And um, honestly, the big thing for me, the Jeffrey Epstein stuff, I'm not going to go too much into basically that he just had a relationship with Jeffrey Epstein where he signed over power of attorney to him at some point. And Jeffrey Epstein was using his connection with Victoria's Secret to potentially, allegedly, um, recruit young women mm-hmm. to his services. I'll just say that. Um, again, it's alleged because Jeffrey Epstein was never tried for his crimes. Yeah. Um, and also, like, basically how Victoria's Secret, I think they're trying to be better now, but how they really dropped the ball on the direction that our world is going and they tried to stay too sexy for too long. Like, for example, none of their models are, like, what you would quote-unquote real like, they're not real sizes. They continue to airbrush their catalogs even long after the rest of the industry had moved on and started mm-hmm. having... The inclusive sizing is the big thing because, I mean, I exclusively wore Victoria's Secret for the longest time until I could no longer wear their things. They also wouldn't do maternity because Lex Wexner and some of the other executives, maternity is not sexy. That's what, and we are a sexy brand, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's just for me, for me, it was a very interesting watch. Um, I highly recommend if you enjoy documentaries, you want to know more about behind the scenes of Victoria's Secret, all that. Really good documentary. Highly recommend. 
And I'm the one that suggested that to you. You are, and I'm, um, like I said, there's some things that I am glossing over just because I feel like I've been talking for so long. Um, maybe you don't want to hear my voice for this long, but it was, it was really interesting for sure. I think maybe next time I watch like a multi-episode documentary, maybe I'll break it up week by week so I can actually go more in depth into things. But was that it for you? That's it for just me. Okay, I did remember because we got Discovery Plus for like a really good deal. Oh, yeah. And some like points rewards things for something. Uh, Yeah. I watched, uh, I've been periodically going back and rewatching some episodes of Good Eats because I love that show. So, yeah. Yeah. That's it. I mean, I guess you can't really talk about that about that that much. Yeah. Other than like you, like we have all, all of Alton Brown's. Uh, we cookbooks? don't have his newest one. The newest one we don't have, but well, all the Good Eats cookbooks. Oh yeah, we have. I think all there the were some other, and like his cookbooks are cool because they're structured by groups of the seasons of the show. So mm-hmm. like you know, seasons one through four or whatever is the early years, and you know, uh, his fourth one just came out, which is I think the late years or something like that. And then it also includes recipes for um, a season of Good Eats re no not reloaded he did uh, a season of new episodes and then there was going to be a second season of new episodes but it never got made but those recipes are included in the book cool but either way yeah it's it's about the only thing i've been watching on my own awesome um so moving on to things we've watched together yeah so we we started um well i was gonna say do you want to start with uh the movie and then do the show because I think we might have more to say about the show. I was just gonna briefly say that we've been rewatching The Big Bang Theory. Oh yeah, we started putting that on as our, uh, you know, don't need to pay full attention to show. Yeah, I mean, there might be a couple episodes that crop up that I'm like, oh, I really liked this episode yeah. or whatever. Um, but yeah, so we're watching that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let's yeah, let's do the movie first. Okay, so we finally saw everything, everywhere, all at once. We did. Um, we didn't see it in the theater for any number of reasons. Um, and then once it came out, uh, to rent, we, uh, you know, just waiting for the right time. Yeah. And that movie, I'm sure, you know, we're, you know, months behind the curve on this one, but that movie is fucking bonkers. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, I mean, it's a, (laughs) it's really, really good. And I am 99% sure there are a multitude of layers to this movie that I'm not even grasping as of a single viewing of it. Yeah. But, um, it's, it's just, it's, it's bonkers. It's good. It's touching. And there's also layers that like, I think that. I guess for lack of a better better way to put it, like aren't necessarily for us because it very much is about a family. I mean, a family of immigrants first gen- uh-huh. and their daughter is a, a first generation born immigrant, and um, that that's really not anything that like we can comprehend. Well, I mean, necessarily. I don't know if it's about. It's not about that, but immigrants. it is, but no, but it, it it's part of their story. I think a lot of it is like life choices and yeah. their family dynamic and adhering to um, culture mm-hmm. or even not adhering to culture, but not wanting to upset family members that are strict to their culture for, so you, you know, don't tell them certain things about your family. Yeah. 
Um, and like I said, there's a ton of stuff. Uh, just I brought him up because I wanted to make mention. Uh, oh, I'm going to mess up their names. Michelle. Michelle. Ye- Yeo? Whoever. Michelle Yi, I think is how Michelle you say Yee. her name. Yeah. Uh, she's in Shang-Chi. She's the main. Or is it Michelle Yao? We probably should start looking at pronunciations for names. Either way, I think people know who I'm talking about. She is phenomenal in this. She's great in everything I've seen her in. And I hope they continue to make her the focal point for more movies. Yeah, she um, she plays one of the mothers in Crazy Rich Asians. <laughs> okay. And she is, just, yeah, and then Shang-Chi and then now this. And I know she's been in a million other things and she's brilliant. Um, also, uh, again, not 100% sure on the pronunciation, but Ki-Hue Kwan. Mm-hmm um wonderful to see him back on the screen yeah uh, for those that don't know he is uh from such beloved movies as uh indiana jones and the temple of doom as well as uh data from the goonies yeah he plays the the dad yeah um, so evelyn is played by michelle Yi or yao um, and then the other, I don't, I didn't, I don't he, remember his he, name he, in the Juan. movie. It's a uh, Waymond. Waymond. That's yeah. right. Um, uh, and then their daughter, um, do you have their daughter's name? Uh, yes. Her, the character in the movie is Joy and Joy, the actress right. is, uh, Stephanie Sue. Okay. Just, are, are we switching from actor, actress to just actor? Like as a society? Here's the thing. I would love that. Well, I think we'll just but then do you have, then you else. have, then you have, um, who cares about everything semantics. else? That's how we'll do it. Yeah. With, uh, award shows, um, but and you got like James Hong, Jamie Lee Curtis, and just like so many wonderful actors. Yes. Um, and they are crushing every second of it. Um, I think with lesser actors, this movie would not have worked. Well, and so I have heard that originally this movie was written for Jackie Chan. As the main so, character? Yeah, I think the main character would be Jackie Chan. And okay. then, so it would be like his wife on the other side. I'm not positive How about interesting. that. Now I'm thinking of this like gender bent version of this movie. And it, it would have been really interesting to see a dad uh-huh. in that role as opposed to a mom. Very um, interesting. I will say this. You know, I'm, I like Jackie Chan. He's great. Um, all of the movies of his that I've seen, I like. It, and I don't, I'm not the kind of person who's like, nobody else could have played that part. But what um, Michelle does with the part, yeah, she definitely makes it uniquely hers. And she's she's just wonderful. Yeah, it was great. Um, and so, again, fucking bonkers yeah, movie. For those that don't know, the premise of the movie is basically that every tiny decision you make leads to... An alternate universe, An alternate universe. So, like, if you said yes to this thing, there's another you out there that said no, essentially. Yeah. And, and so on and so forth. Branches on branches on branches. And there is someone from Multiverse Alpha. That's Yeah, that's what they refer to That's what to they as. refer to as. Her husband comes from Multiverse Alpha and finds her. And she has to save the world from Joy Alpha Joy. Um, but she's yeah, called spoilers. something else. Yeah, spoiler. I mean, we Jobu. always spoil- Jobu something. Yeah. Um, and Jobu has created this <laughs> everything bagel. 
Yeah. Um, that sucks up the universes essentially. Yeah, it's, it's it is when I I'm I'm hearing myself explain this and I'm like, okay, this sounds nuts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, and the thing is, is all of that craziness is essentially yeah. set dressing yeah. to tell um, a beautiful story, a really good story. And like I said, there's so many aspects about you know a mother and their and her daughter. Yeah. Um, about life choices, life about choices, regret, regret, about um acceptance. Yeah, except uh, not just acceptance, yeah. but like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Where you're not just like, yeah, it's okay that you're that thing, like but clarity, I don't need to talk about it. Like, but like, uh, like propping up the person who in your life may be, you know, gay or transgender or bi yeah. or, anse- or asexual or whatever it is. You know, it's one thing to say. I accept you, quote unquote. Yeah. But it's not something we like need celebrate. to. Yeah, celebrate. Yeah. Advocate. Ad- yeah. Yeah. But like, so yeah, there, there's elements of that in it because Joy is um, a lesbian. As far, well, she has a girlfriend. She's in a same-sex relationship. Yeah, we don't necessarily and, know her orientation. And her grandfather comes into, comes to America for, um, I don't know if they give an actual reason why I think he's he just, there. I think he just needs help. Yeah, um, but, and so uh, Evelyn, the main character, seems okay with the idea that his that her daughter is in a same sex relationship, but is like we're not going to tell your grandfather because he won't understand. Yeah, you know. So like I said, there are just and then, so many. Yeah, they they live and work. Uh, they they live over the laundromat that they own. So it's all essentially one thing. And the story starts where they're doing their they're being audited. Yeah. Um, and Evelyn very much seems kind of, she very much seems kind of like flighty slash flaky. Like she's trying to write off like a karaoke machine, mm-hmm. uh, d- different things that she's trying to write off that like don't make a lot of sense. And Jamie Lee Curtis plays the um, tax auditor and mm-hmm. she's one, she is wonderful. Everyone in there it is, is this, amazing. Okay. I do have to mention there is this universe where they all have hot dogs for fingers inexplicably. <laughs> Yeah. And it is. And they all use you find out later that they all use their feet because it's it's very much this thing of like, you know, there's this universe where we have hot dogs for fingers, but we've all used learned to use our feet instead. Yeah. It's wonderful. And Jamie Lee Curtis and um, Evelyn are in a relationship in that universe. And it's just. <laughs> it's it's this, wacky. It's, it's so bonkers. wacky. It's, um, it's interesting because it is equal parts great sit back and enjoy a movie, but also like it's like I said, it's there are so many elements that can be taken from it to make it a personal story for someone. Yeah, and there's also this element of like um possibly like um depression because mm-hmm. it's very much like nothing matters like yeah. that's kind of what the everything bagel is is you're falling into nothingness you're going into nothing it could mm-hmm. be an allegory for loss of life yeah it... um but and then um you know one thing that evelyn says which i wrote down is if nothing matters then we get to choose what does you know if if ultimately in the world nothing matters then let's let's choose what matters to us like yeah that's a um that's a really interesting uh thing that i didn't really focus on until you brought it up but it's something that gets brought up for a lot of people that aren't religious Mm -hmm. you know a lot of people who believe in a god and are religious and believe in an afterlife Mm -hmm. are like well if if you don't believe that there's something more after uh this life yeah. then why be good why do any of that and it's like well because i'm choosing to yeah i'm choosing like I'm choosing I don't, what's important i don't need a higher power to tell me to be a good person mm-hmm. i just i'm choosing to be a good person and yeah. put good into the world and yeah I, I um 
I really do like I know we say we recommend a lot of things and honestly a lot of that is because we watch a lot of things that we love and we but mm-hmm. this this is something that I think both Joe and I went to went into not really knowing what to expect. Other I knew than, it was bonkers. I say other than everyone that we've talked to, including the parents of the baby that I had, have all said that it was kind of nuts yeah. and crazy, but ultimately like really really good. Mm-hmm. And they were right. And th- this would have been a really interesting movie to see in the theater, I think, um, but not necessarily a movie you have. It's not a popcorn yeah. movie, you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we definitely recommend checking that movie out, letting us know what you think if you want to. Very good. Very good. And then, so the last thing we watched... Do you we wanna... actually could have brought this up last week, but, but we had a pretty just, packed there show. There was so many um, other things we were talking about. Yeah, so we have caught up on season three of the Orville. What's the Orville New Horizons? But yeah, it's season three. <laughs> yeah, I was going to get there. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, and so we love season one and season two. Mm-hmm. Uh, great show. Um, has really good sense of comedy, but also like just really good sci-fi. Yeah. And season three. So season three does take a hit a bit on the comedy elements. Yes. But oh my God, are they tackling some very important social issues mm-hmm. immensely well. Yes. Um, Seth MacFarlane is doing just a top-notch job of telling these kinds of stories. Yeah, and they're all, I mean, if you think, if some of you think that Star Trek hits you over the head with their political views, you are going to be... The Orville drives a freight train into your face with... uh, Yeah, like they're not And we are not saying that as as it's a problem. No, it's... They are just very upfront about the message that they are sending. Here's the thing. I think it's not a problem for us because we are firmly in line with exactly what Seth MacFarlane is saying. Um, But as a warning, it is an extremely progressive Mm -hmm. and liberal show. Yeah. Um, They had an episode... I feel like we did talk about this a tiny bit. Maybe we didn't. Maybe it was just a conversation we had sans podcast um they had an episode where um so there was a there's a species on the orville called the mocklins and they are an all-male species and when a female is born unto their species they regender they gender assign them as male and they do surgery on them yes, to, they surgically alter them they surgically al- so the one of the mocklins that is or the only Mocklin that is so there. There's a Mocklin um, on the Orville. He yeah. is third in command, I think. Yeah, and uh, so he the second officer. He had a child that was born as female, mm-hmm. and there was the whole episode about reassigning her gender and the union. Like it was, it was a very interesting episode where ultimately it culminates in the they can't they have to let them do the surgery. Yes. Essentially. And so the child is reassigned as male. Mm-hmm. And um, the episode of New Horizons, um, the male child. Topa. Topa is having conflicting feelings yeah. and um, gender identity issues. And bordering. On, and b- bordering on suicidal. Yeah. And um, ultimately it is decided finally that she can it's very apparently easy surgery she can be reassigned as female as she chooses and um it was really interesting yeah it's the show is just it's so good and it's one of those things where like i can imagine seth mcfarlane going into fox and being like hey we want to do this star trek parody yeah 
And Fox being like, yeah, that sounds fun. Let's do it. And, you know, the first few episodes in the first season, like, you're like, oh, yeah, this is Star Trek, but comedy. Yeah, you it know? very much is. And then they start rolling in the... I think what a lot of people really like about a lot of sci-fi, which is it takes these social um, issues Mm -hmm. and presents them in this fantastical, uh, futuristic world. Yeah. Where sometimes it's easier to see things when it's not a presented as a direct relation of real life. Yeah. You know, you're potentially going to be a little bit more accepting when these issues you're it's it might be easier to see a um um, an issue with gender when mm-hmm. it's not humans in 2022 yeah. and yeah. you might be able when you can look at something from the outside in yeah it can be easier to understand it mm-hmm. uh, or at least at the very least understand the, another point of view on it um that would be my hope is that you know people are watching this that maybe i don't want to say don't have their minds made up because to me it just seems like it's not your mind to be made up about but regardless Maybe they're watching it not 100% having an... I, I, like I said, I hate anything I'm saying out of my mouth right now. Well, it doesn't sound right, but like maybe someone could watch it and it could open their mind. Yeah. Um, and also, here's the thing. Even if you don't want those things... Well, no, because they're pretty heavy-handed in Orville. I will say, like, if you don't care whether or not a show has a social... Uh, issues element to it and you can just overlook it in the event of a good story and all that kind of stuff then it's still a good show yeah um but yeah it's just it's so good this last episode that we watched was amazing yeah so it was um episode nine it was called domino uh do you want to talk more about it so yeah at the end of last season uh there's a um sentient uh, race of uh, essentially androids or robots. Yeah, they're called the Kalon. The Kalon. Um, and they launch full-scale assault on basically all organic species because they feel they, when they were created, they were enslaved, rose up, overthrew their enslavers, and now they view themselves as a dominant uh, species in the galaxy slash universe. Yeah, they very much they're binary thinkers, so things are either one way or the other. There's no nuance, and so to them, when they were created, they were created by people that enslaved them. So therefore, all organic they, beings yeah, they are enslavers. Lesser, yeah, yeah. Um, it's very like you could very easily or make sorry a, potential enslavers. Yeah, you could make a very easy um, connection to the Borg. Yeah, um, not Star so much Trek about fan. the like being enslaved and stuff like that, but like you know this superiority complex, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but so yeah, so they're you know full scale assault. They are throughout this whole season. They're essentially at war with the Kalon. Yep. Um, one of the characters that was introduced in this season, uh, Ensign Charlie Burke, mm-hmm. uh, very much dislikes the Kalon, and the Orville has a Kalon on the bridge. Uh, who essentially went against his programming. Um, And he's all, you know, good and whatnot. Originally, though, he did kind of invite the Kalon. He did kind of start this whole thing. Um, And then ultimately he came to the conclusion that it wasn't right. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, Charlie Burke does not like him because um, she views it. uh, The Kalon stole her, her. It was her best friend, but we find out. I believe Seems in the like last she, episode that she had a romantic interest towards yeah. her and she never got the chance to tell her. Um, but yeah, so so Ensign Burke has been very uh, standoffish with Isaac, who mm-hmm. is the Kalon. Um, 
but ultimately uh her she warms up to isaac a little bit yeah um and her and isaac build a weapon that um can make very short work of the kalon yeah um and given enough power could essentially just wipe them out completely yeah when they first tested they're able to wipe out like it looked like several it looked like several of the several dozen ships ships, Yeah. yeah and then so they take it to the union and the union is very much like kill them all. No, some, well, mem- some members. So of the union. yeah, some members of the union are like, okay, we use the weapon, we go kill them. And ultimately, what they decide is that we're gonna go to Kalon and tell yeah. them, look, we have this weapon that can just dis- destroy you. We would prefer not to because that's not our way. We would like to just essentially have a ceasefire. Yeah, there's very much this discussion of like ethics. Yeah, because I mean, because um, um, you're talking about genocide. Because yeah, because sep- some people want to completely wipe out. They call it the Kalon threat. And, like, you can definitely make connections to things in history where yes. people have felt very similar. Yeah, Seth MacFarlane's character, um, Ed Mercer, mm-hmm. uh, is captain of the Orville. And he he's the one that brings it up. He's like, you know, maybe, maybe we should pump the brakes a little bit. I mean, we're talking about genocide here. And that's not something that we're... We're we about. should be okay with. Yeah, and it's against union um, protocol as well. So anyway, you know, not yeah. to go step by step through the entire episode. No. The Kalon agree, and it, they do it purely on logic. You have a weapon that we can't bypass, so for now, we will agree to have Cease essentially fire. a ceasefire in whatever in your terms because we want to preserve ourselves. Yeah. Weapon gets stolen by um, an alternate faction. Or get stolen by one of the admirals, but delivered to an alternate faction that will use it against the Kalon. So the Union teams up with the Kalon mm-hmm. to go get the weapon back. And what ultimately ends up happening is um, they send a t- an away mission, an away team down to the planet to uh, retrieve the weapon or destroy it if necessary. Yeah. And Ensign, yeah, and Ensign Burke is trying to uh deactivate it but it's not working so she decides that she's just going to overload it and it's going to blow but she has to stay behind to do it yeah. on this away mission is kalon prime who is like their leader and he yeah. sees her he sees um, her do this do this which um ends up kind of helping him realize that you know all organics aren't enslavers yeah. And then they get like a provisional acceptance into the union and stuff. So, and they also caught what's her face, Ed's baby mama. Oh, we find the Krill, out that he uh, chancellor or president. Yeah, we find her. out that Ed had a baby with well, that was Krill. I know. And ago, then yeah. also the really upsetting thing is that she, the baby is half the child human, is all, half human, half Krill, and the. Krill leader who had the baby is like she cannot be discovered because it would completely like undermine her her um i I guess like her boasting her political ideals it's i'm sorry but it is very akin to all of the politicians out there you know having their mistresses abortions but are publicly abortion wait what (laughs) um but anyway so this child is now existing in the world and um, he she refuses to give ed custody custody essentially Uh, or let let him raise her instead that i think is something that will maybe come up in the next episode i really hope Uh, so because the thing is like i feel like this was an ending episode where the yeah it definitely felt like or where the kalon join season slash yeah season slash potentially series finale because they have not been picked up but uh, yeah and everyone's out of contract as well yeah this episode great um look at the moralities of war 
Yeah. Uh, you know, and, you know, we're American. Our uh, our history in war, while mm-hmm. the record may be decent, uh, definitely made some questionable decisions. And I definitely think if we're talking about, like, our history, the Kalons represent a part of our history that is not. Yeah, it's, you know, you could, you, you could, you know, relate to either side. Yeah. In the thing. And, you know, like I said, it's, it's a really good moral look at war and decisions made in war and decisions made out of hate and, uh, you know, from wanting a sense of revenge and stuff like that. But like, it's just, it's so good because it comes, the show comes in with this, like, we're a parody of Star Trek. Um, yeah. And then it and basically I don't, does I honest, better than Star Trek. I don't know about better, but I honestly don't know um, if it was purposeful that Seth MacFarlane was like, no, we want to do a parody. Or if it was just like, I want to do a sci-fi show like Star Trek. And the only way to do it without getting sued is to make it a parody. So we need comedy. Yeah. You know exactly what the thought process was behind it. Uh, not sure, but he's he's crushing it. Um, and there is still some comedy. And the comedy that's in there is really good. And there's just like, it's not in the like Star Trek. You, you see the future that is Star Trek. And there is very few similarities mm-hmm. between that world and our current world. Yeah. Uh, you know, when they talk about literature or books or anything, it's always these great minds or like, uh, you know, Shakespeare and these philosophy uh, teachings and things like that. Whereas in the Orville, it's, you know, uh, one of the characters, I'm pretty sure, I think there's an episode at one point where they're watching like old sitcoms from the 90s. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. It has that element of pop culture that Seth MacFarlane does Mm -hmm. um, extremely well. Yeah. Um, one thing I was going to bring up to you that I, I we were watching this episode because there's a, other than the finale of season two, there was a lot more Kalon involvement. And the thing about the Kalons, if you don't watch the show, is that they're robots. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you didn't get that. And they're like they're they're full on robots. They're not. It's not like Data in Star Trek where it looks like a person. Yeah. But they, it's a robot. I mean, they're humanoid shaped. Yeah. They're, um, they just don't have like facial yeah, expressions. Yeah. They don't have facial expressions. They just have like glowing eyes. Um, all the Kalon are red, are red except Isaac, who is blue. No. Are you sure? Some of them are have orange eyes. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, either and there way. There may have been some others with blue. I don't well, remember. The, from but... what I remember, the blue is to make him appear yeah. more appealing to humans for interaction. Yeah. Um, but, anyways, the. The thing that they, the directors have been doing so well with the Kalon is making them, even though they're robots, like, and they don't have any expression, very much like Data in Star Trek, but still making you feel the things they're thinking. Like, even though the Kalon is not outwardly saying, I'm rethinking my position on this right now, you can tell by, like, a tilt of the head or whatever that, oh, you know, it, it, to me, it, it, I just, I love that. Yeah, and it's a just, lot of it's, it... To me, it's, again, it's masterful directing. Yeah. Masterful storytelling. Or even just, and it's a really simple thing, and it makes total sense, but, like, you know, they'll ask a question, and they'll get an answer. But yeah. it doesn't compute with what they, I guess, assume, or what yeah. they know to, or what they think they know to be true, so they'll ask, but why? Yeah. And then they'll give another expl- explanation, and they, but why would they do that? And so, yeah. you know, they really drill down into, like, you kind of, some of these things, you kind of have to explain it like uh, they're a five-year-old. Yeah. Uh, and like, like I said, they're very black and white thinkers. Like, one of my uh, favorite things uh, is there's this thing that, um, it's like, if you want to understand how hard it is to write AI, um, ask 
a group of elementary school kids to write down the instructions to make a uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Mm-hmm. And you're going to get like, you know, get peanut butter, get jelly, spread on bread, close it. And if you then present them uh, the by doing exactly what's written on there, like you didn't say walk, walk to pantry, to, yeah. open door, get out peanut butter, you know, like, yeah. and so like it, you know, it's the thing where it's like AI has to be meticulously um coded yeah and so certain things you know they're not going to understand why someone who supposedly hated the kalon don't or would sacrifice themselves to save them the kalon don't understand yeah yeah um and it's because they a haven't experienced but b they're not programmed to understand well that and like again reiterating the fact that like their experience with organic beings thus far has been they want to kill us because Mm -hmm. even because even as the Kalon are killing organic beings, they're trying to kill them back. So that reinforces yeah. that idea that they are trying to kill us to enslave us again. And they do um, do an episode, I think it was a couple episodes back, where they do show some flashbacks to what it was like being a Kalon for their original creators. And it's, it's it, a pro- it, starts it was a progression. Off, it starts off fairly innocuous. And then um, like as it progresses, you see them de- I guess dehumanize and disassociate from these uh, artificial beings to the point where it shows kids playfully torturing yeah, one of them because they, they're just so disconnected. They're so from disconnected them. from them because originally you see the kids being so excited about like this housekeeper, this new friend, etc. And even the wife is kind of like into the idea. And then slowly you see her become dehumanized. And then you see slowly see the kids doing things. And it was, um, I will say it was a hard watch yeah. for sure. Because you can just imagine that this is how some people actually lived in the past. But yeah, uh, it's a great show. Yeah. I suggest checking it out if you like sci-fi and Star Trek. It's wonderful. And if you like Family Guy too, because it does not, again, not so seasons, much in this season. Yeah. There have only been a couple, like when they were bringing in the suitcases. Yes. Uh, that was the element of comedy that I think you mentioned before that yeah. we've been missing. Uh, but and, and there, has not, there has not been a lot of funny and I, in this season. And I believe that this show is the last hurrah for Norm MacDonald. Yeah, it was he, the last. Uh, it was the he, last voice work they, he yeah, ever he, did. He recorded all of his, um, all of his dialogue um, mm-hmm. prior to passing. So if you're a yeah. Norm Macdonald fan, you could you know see what his he, most recent works are. Yeah, he, essentially. he's he's in a little bit, not too much, yeah. but. Uh, so yeah, I think. I think that's all we have for episode fourteen. Yeah. So uh, thanks for listening. Hopefully our rants on the few <laughs> things that we talked about uh, don't discourage you from watching or listening some more. Yeah, hopefully not. And I'll I'll try to break up when I uh, watch things on my own a little bit more. <laughs> you should just solo record the the reality stuff, and I can just drop it. In. <laughs> yeah, but then I don't have you to talk back to. Yeah, talk back true. with sometimes. So it's just me going on and on and on. <laughs> uh, so socials will be uh, in the description, right? We're doing that now. Yep, socials in the description. And unlike last week, this week I will on Twitter be posting links to any news or any specific things we're referencing, like the TikToks. I'll post those so you can go look at them. Okay, well, thanks for listening. And hopefully we will see or you'll we will see you next time, I guess, or hear us next time. I need we really need to figure out a sign off. I think that was one of our things we were trying to do before. and We just couldn't. So but we will. I'll stick with this one. So. Uh, We'll see you next week for your regularly scheduled programming. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.